0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. I hope everyone had a good week. And let's begin. Now, what I'm going to do first thing this morning is I might make this podcast in two parts because there's a lot to cover. But uh, what I want to do is get a timeline going for us so we all know where we are as the book goes along because it goes along pretty fast and first thing you know, we've got no idea what's going on. So let's just review a little bit here. We start off in 1878 when Watson was in the war. He got home. And then he was look, He was uh, on his own for nine months or so. Then he's uh, fixing to find another place to live, looking for a partner. Meets a friend, introduces him to, uh, to um, Holmes. They team up. They get a place together. He studies him for several weeks. During that time, kind of like the Freud thing going on there. And then we come to the, uh, a part in Chapter 2 where Watson mentions a date of March 4th. So we're going to pick it up from March 4th. Now that day he sees a man delivering a letter in the street, in the apartment, a blue envelope to uh, address to Holmes. To get the letter, Watson reads the letter for him. And that morning, they head to the crime scene. That morning. So on March 4th, they head down to the crime scene from the direction of the letter. And uh, Sherlock, of course, bucks on that and doesn't want to go, but Watson talks him into it. Then after all that, with uh, They go to the crime scene, and then the end of Chapter 3, they need to find out, uh, talk to the police officer who... Uh, first found came onto the scene and found the body. John Rance, one of the police officers. Now what I'm going to do too is tell all the characters in order so we know who all the characters are. So first we have our main character, Sherlock and Watson of course. The two policemen, Detective Gregson and Detective Lestrade. They're the first one to meet Sherlock at the scene. The victim is Enoch J. Drebber, worked for a shipping company out of Cleveland. John Stangerson. The only thing we know was his name was written in the uh, edition of the uh, Boccaccio's Decameron, and the letter was addressed to him in his pocket. And he also worked with a steamship company along with uh, with the murder victim. And That's all we know about this John fellow so far. And as you do know, the uh, um, Sherlock asked if he uh, inquired Cleveland about who this John guy was, and Greg said, and Yes." and Sherlock was, wasn't quite happy with the answer or all that, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Then we have the uh, mysterious woman, who is nameless. All we know is that this woman is the owner of a wedding ring. That fell out of the pocket of the uh, victim when they picked up the body to haul it down to the morgue. So those are our characters right now. And then we have the cab driver, which is still unknown to this point. And lastly, we're at the point where John Rance is the patrolman first on site. These are the characters in the book so far that we've been following. So there's still lots more to cover yet. Now on a preview of Chapter 3. Um, basically, Sherlock Holmes did all his homework at, at the crime scene. He's got everything done that he needs to know. And he's ready to take off to, uh, meet with, uh, John Rance. And this is the same day, March 4th. And we're going to pick up, uh, I'll read one chapter or one paragraph in chapter three. Then we'll just delve into chapter four. And I'll tell you what the, what the title says. And we'll just stop and take notes as we go along. Okay. So the last, uh. Um, let's just go back a little bit here in Chapter 3, where Holmes describes, uh, everything he basically found out so far up to this point. So they asked, uh, they asked the, the two officers, uh, Gregson and uh, Lestrade, who's this cop? John He said, he's off duty now. You will find him at 46 Audley Court, Kennington Park Gate. Holmes took note of the address. Come along, doctor, he said. We shall go look him up. I'll tell you one thing which may help you in the case. He continued turning to the two detectives. There's been a murder done, and the murderer was a man. He was more than six feet high, was in the prime of his life, had small feet for his height, wore coarse square-toed boots, smoked a trichinolope, sorry, trichinolope, Monopoly. Oh my god. Trichinopoly. Trichinopoly. There it is, folks. Trichinopoly cigar. Which is actually out of India. I found this out from research. So he smoked a trichonopoly cigar. He came here with his victim in a four-wheeled cab, which was drawn by a horse with three old shoes, one new one on his foreleg. In all probability, the murder had a florid face "'and the fingernails of his right hand were remarkably long. There, "'These are only a few indications, but they may assist you.' "'Lestrade and Grayson glanced at each other with an incredulous smile. "'If this man was murdered, how was it done?' asked the former. "'Poison,' said Sherlock curtly and strode off. "'One other thing,' Lestrade, he added, turning around at the door. "'Rash is a German for revenge, revenge, so don't lose your time looking for Miss Rachel.' With a glancing shot, he walked away, leaving the two rivals' open mouthed behind him. That's the end of chapter three. Sorry about the little burp there with the cigar thing, but I'm trying. So, now we're going to delve into chapter four, what John Rance had to say. It was one o'clock when we left number three, Larson Gardens. Sherlock Holmes led me to the nearest telegraph office, where he dispatched a long telegram. Um, let me just stop right there for one second. And your best guess? What do you think he's gonna? Where is he sending a telegram to, folks? Should have a general idea. He then hailed the cab and ordered the driver to take us to the address given us by Lestrade. Uh, there's nothing like first-hand evidence," remarked. He remarked, "As a matter of fact, my mind is entirely made up upon the case, but we still may as well learn as all we can as we go along with this case." "You amaze me," Holmes said. I. Surely you are not as sure as you pretend to be of all those particulars which you gave. There's no room for mistake, my dear Watson, he answered. The very first thing which I observed on arriving, there was that a cab had made two ruts with its wheels close to the curb. Now, up to last night, we had no rain for a week, so that those wheels, which, have, which left such a deep impression, must have been there, there during the night. And then there were the marks of the horse's hoofs also the outline of which was far more clearly cut than of the other three, showing that there was a new shoe on the horse. Since the cab was there after the rain began and was not there at any time during the morning, which I had Gregerson's word for it, it follows that it must have been there during the night, and therefore that it brought these two individuals to the house. And let's make a little note here, the cab driver still is unknown yet. So I'm sure they're working on that. That seems simple enough, said I, but how about the other man's height? Why, the height of the man, nine cases out of ten, can be told from the length of a stride. It is a simple calculation enough, though there is no use my boring you with the details of that. I had this fellow stride both on clay outside and dust within. Then I, may, then I had a way of checking my calculation. When a man writes on a wall... His instinct leads him to write about, about the level of his own eyes. Now that writing was just over six feet from the ground. It was child's play. What about his age? I asked. Well, if a man can stride four and a half feet without the smallest effort, he can be quite seer and yellow, meaning he's not he's not a uh, senior citizen like you think he is. He's in good shape, mid mid uh, midlife, mid forties probably. That was the breath of a puddle on the garden walk, which he eventually walked across. The patent leather boots had gone around, and the square toes had hopped over. Let's just stop there now. The patent leather boots had gone around, and that is the murder victim. And the square toes had hopped over, and that is the the murderer. There is no mystery about it at all. I am simply applying to ordinary life a few of these precepts of observation and deduction which I advocate in that article, which you didn't really like at all when you first read it. Is there anything else that puzzles you, my dear boy? Hmm. The fingernails in the tri cigar, I suggested. The writing on the wall was done with a man's forefinger dipped in blood. My glass allowed me to observe the plaster was slightly scratched in doing it. He's talking about his magnifying glass right there which have not been the case if the man's nail had been trimmed. I gathered up some scattered ashes from the floor. It was dark in color and flaky, such an ash, ash as in only made by a uh, tri ikin Apolli cigar, trick and poly cigar. I have made a special study of cigar ashes. In fact, I have written a monograph upon the subject I thought of myself that I can distinguish at a glance the ash of any brown brand either of cigar or tobacco. It is this such details that a skilled detective differs from Gregson and Lestrade types and hey, what about the florid face I asked in other words the red face Ah, uh, that was more of a daring shot though I have no doubt that I was right you might not ask me that at the present state of affair so he just basically going on a hunch. And he's not telling Watson too much more about how he knows this, but he definitely knows it. I passed my hand over my brow. You know how you go over my head. My head is in a whirl, I remarked. The more one thinks of it, the more mysterious it grows. How came these two men, if there were two men, into an empty house? What has become of the cabman who drove them? How could one man compel another to take poison? Where did the blood come from? What was the object of the murderer, since Robbie had no part in it? How come the woman's ring was there? Above all, why should the second man write up the German word rosh before decamping, in other words, before leaving? I confess I cannot see any possible way of reconciling these facts. My companion smiled approvingly. Sherlock was just looking at him with a grin. You sum up the difficulties of the situation briefly and well, he said but there is, still, there is much that is still obscure. Though I have quite made up my mind on the facts, as to Paul Lestrade's discovery, it was a simple blind intended to put the police on the wrong track, in other words, plant evidence, by suggesting socialism and secret societies are involved. It was not done by a German. The A, if you notice, was printed somewhat after the German fashion. Now a real German invariably prints in the Latin character, so that we may safely say that it was not written by one, but by a by a clumsy imitator who overdid this part. It was simply a ruse to divert inquiry into the wrong channel. I'm not going to tell you much more of the case, Doctor. You know how a magician gets no credit once he has explained his tricks, and if I show you too much of my method of working. You will come to the conclusion that I am very ordinary individual after all. And we just simply can't have that now, can we? I shall never do that, I answered. You have brought detection as near exact science as it will ever be brought in this world. My companion flushed up with pleasure at my words and the earnest which way I uttered them. I had already observed that he was sensitive to flattery on the score of his art as any girl could be of her beauty. So he likes to hear, like, mean, who does it though, right? Sherlock likes to hear, you know, a little bit of uh, accolades or praise that what he's doing is actually correct. And let's face it, it's pretty smart. I'll tell you one thing he said. Patent leathers and square toes came into the same cab. So these are the two people. When we say patent leathers and square toes, we're talking about the victim and the murderer. Patent leathers and square toes came into the same cab and they walked down the pathway together as friendly as possible, arm in arm in all probability. When they got inside they walked up and down a room, or rather, patent leathers stood while square toes walked up and down. I could read all that I could read all that in the dust. And I could read that as he walked and grew more and more excited. That is shown by the increased length of his strides. He was talking all the while and working himself up. No doubt into a fury. The tragedy occurred, I've told you all I know myself. Now, for the rest is mere surmise and conjecture. We have a good working basis, however, on which to start. We must hurry up, for I want to go to Haley's Court near Norman Durenda this afternoon. The conversation had occurred while a cab had been threading its way along a succession of dingy streets and dreary byways. In the dingiest and dreariest of them, the driver suddenly came to a stand and just stopped right there. That's oddly cornered, he said, pointing to a narrow slit in a line of dead colored bricks. You'll find me here when you come back. So so the guy driving the uh, the cab wasn't going any further. It must be a pretty rough neighborhood. Audley court was not an attractive locality. The narrow passage led us down into some paved, some area paved with flagstone and lined with unkempt dwellings. We picked our way among the groups of dirty children through lines of discolored linen until we came to number 46. The door which was dedicated with a small slip, Decorated with a small slip of brass on which the name Rance was engraved, on inquiry we found the constable was in his bed, and we were shown to a little front parlour to wait his coming. He appeared presently, looking a little irritable at being disturbed in his sleep. I made a report at the office, he said. Holmes took a sovereign from his pocket and played with it, while well, deep in thought. So he's got this coin in his hand he's playing with. Hopefully, uh, Rance's eyeballs keep looking at that coin. "'We thought we would should like to hear it all from your own lips,' he said. "'I shall be most happy to tell you anything I can,' the constable answered, with the eyes upon a little golden disc. "'Just let me hear it all in your own way,' as it occurred. Rance sat down on the horse-chair sofa and knitted his brows, as though determined not to admit anything in his narrative. "'I'll tell it ye from the beginning,' he said. My time is from 10 at at night to 6 in the morning. At 11 there was a fight at White Hart Bar. But that's all it was. quite enough on the beat. At 1 o'clock it began to rain. And I met Harry Mercher. Him who was the Holland Grove beat. So the two policemen are together right now. We stood together at the corner of Henrietta Street talking. Presently maybe about 2 or a little after I thought I would take a look around and see all that was right down Brixton Road. Now, uh, as we know, Brixton Road is where the apartment building is, where the murderers took place. It was precious, dirty, and lonely. Not a soul did I meet all the way down. Through a cab or two went past me. I was strolling, thinking between ourselves how a hot toddy would be right about, right, be nice right about now with a gin-hot toddy. When suddenly a glint of light caught my eye in the window of that same house. Now I knew them houses to be in Loris and Gardens were empty on account, of the person that owns them, won't have the drains fixed. So the very last tenant who lived in one of them died of typhoid fever. I was knocked on in the heat, therefore, at seeing a light in the window, I was suspected that something was wrong. When I got to the door, wait, wait, stop, 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 Sherlock, Sherlock interrupted. You stopped, then walked back to the garden gate, my companion interrupted. Why did you do that, Holmes said. Why, that's true, sir, he said, but how come you know it? Heaven only knows. You see, when I got up to the door, I was so still and so lonesome that I thought I'd not be the worst if you'd get someone with me. I ain't feared afraid of, afraid of anything on the side of the grave, but I thought that maybe it was that dyed old typhoid inspecting the drains that killed him. So basically he thought he saw a ghost. The thought gave me kind of a turn. I walked back to the gate to see if I could find Murcher's lantern. But there was no sign of him, nor of anyone else. So once again, Sherlock Holmes already knows exactly what he was going to tell him before he even told him. And he even had to fill in some blanks for him. <laughs> there was no one on the street, he said. Not a living soul, sir, not as much as a the dog. Then I pulled myself together, went back, and pushed the door open. All was quiet inside, so I went in the room where the light was burning. There was a candle flickering on the mantelpiece, a red wax one, and by its light I saw "'Yes, yes, yes, I know all that you saw. "'You walked around the room several times, "'you knelt down by the body, "'and then you walked through and tried the kitchen door, "'and then John Rank sprang to his feet "'with a frightened face and suspicion in his eyes. "'Where was you to see all that?' he cried. "'It seems to me you know a great deal more "'than you're letting on.' "'Holmes laughed and threw his card across "'across the table to the constable.' "'Don't get arrested me for murder,' he said. "'I'm one of the hounds, not the wolf. "'Mr. Gregson and Mr. Lestrade will answer for that. "'Now go on, though. What did you do next?' "'After Rans calmed down a little bit "'and realized that Holmes was one of the good guys, "'he resumed his seat without, however, "'losing his mystified expression. "'So he's just kind of blown away by all this. "'I went back to the gate and sounded my whistle. "'That brought Mercer and two more on the spot. "'Was the street empty then?' "'Well, it was, as far as anybody that could be of any good goes. "'What do you mean?' "'The constable's features brought into a grin. "'I've seen many a drunk chap in my time,' he said, "'but never anyone so crying drunk as that bloke. "'He was at the gate when I came out, "'and leaning up he gained the railing and singing the pitch of his lungs "'about Columbine's newfangled banner or such stuff. "'He couldn't stand for less help.' "'What sort of a man was he?' asked Sherlock Holmes.' John Rance seemed to be irritated at this digression. He was just a common drunk sort of a man. He said, "He had found himself in a station where he had been so busy right now." His face, his dress—did you notice them? Holmes broke in impatiently. "I should think I did notice them, seeing that I had to pop him up. Me and Mercer between us. He was a long chap with a red face, a lower part muffled round. Catch that, folks." A long chap with a red face, or florid face. Very interesting. That will do, cried Holmes. What became of him? We would not to do without looking after him, the policeman said in an aggravated voice. I'll wager he found his way home, all right. How was he dressed? A brown overcoat. He had a whip in his hand? No, no, no whip. So uh, Holmes murmured to himself, hmm, he must have left it behind. You didn't happen to see or hear a cab after that, have you? No. There's a half-sovereign here for you, my companion, it said. Standing up and taking his hat. I'm afraid, Rance, that you will never rise in the force. That head of yours should be used as an ornament with eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) You might have gained your sergeant stripes last night. The man, the man whom you held in your hands is the man who holds the clues to this mystery and whom we are seeking it. <laughs> Dimple, <laughs> there is no use of arguing about it now. I will tell you that it is so. Come along, doctor. Our work is done here. We started off for the cab together, leaving our infamous incredulous, but obviously uncomfortable. <laughs> in other words, he was just completely baffled. That blundering fool said Holmes bitterly as he drove back to our lodgings. Just to think of his having such an incomparable bit of good luck, not taking advantage of it. I'm rather in the dark still, I said. Is it true that the description of this man tallies with the idea of the second party in this mystery? But why should he come back to the house after leaving it? That is not the way of criminals. The ring, man. The ring. He came back to get the ring. Holmes continues, if we have no other way of catching him, we can always bait are lying with that ring i shall have him doctor i'll lay you two to one odds that i have him i must thank you for it all i might have not gone out gone but for you and so you have missed the finest study i've ever come across a study in scarlet eh so right there he give uh holmes a little bit of a or not holmes uh, watson a nice little compliment because it wasn't for watson he wouldn't even be there in the first place because watson was you know insistent on they get going and he was, look at this case, and I think Watts was more excited to begin with than he was. Why shouldn't we use a little art jargon? There's a scarlet thread of murder running through the colour skein of life, and our duty is to unravel it and isolate it and expose every inch of it. And now for lunch, and then Norman Neruda, Her attack and her bowing are splendid. What's that little thing of chopping she plays so magnificently? Holy, 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 Leaning 81- game- Unions- back in the cab, this amateur bloodhound curled all away like a lark, while I meditated upon the many sides of the human mind. As usual, Watson's going Freud on us, and they're off to a late lunch. So I just added a little note here. That's the end of chapter four. Very interesting stuff. We're learning quite a bit. And then we have a new character in the book. Well, I wouldn't say a new, so much a new character. Well, I guess you can call him a new character. Another policeman showed up. So we'll make a note of that. Where's my character list? Here we go. So we have John Rance, and then we have Mr. Mercher as his partner. A new character in the book. Also... We have more clues onto the uh, the murderer, so I guess the, obviously the guy was acting like he was a drunken idiot, so he wouldn't get held up by the cops. Um, let me just come a comment on this last term here, the scarlet thread of a murderer running through the color skein of life. In other words, there's a red piece of wool and a grey tattered ball of yarn of life. You know how you get the big yarn balls early, they're called skeins. And he's fixing to unravel it to find out who it is. Very happy that Watson talked him into going. Holmes is all excited. Now for lunch and violin music. So from what we can gather, Holmes is pretty much thinks he's got the case already solved. There's a few more missing items we need to know. The cab driver for one. And that telegram that he is sending off is going to be very interesting because I do believe it's going to be part of the two characters I named earlier. I don't want to say too much to give it away, so let's leave it at that. Well, we got through this podcast pretty quick this morning. I think we're pretty well caught up in every detail. I'm just going to scroll back here a little bit and just see if I can pick something up that we haven't really discussed much. We know that the... uh, the murderer came back for that ring for some reason. Could be for his wife or maybe a proposal, we don't know. But uh, he said a study in Scarlet, which is the name of the title of the book, which I, I like to find that very interesting when you're reading along and the title of the book shows up in, in the in the book. It gives you an indication that uh, everything is on the right track. Okay, folks, thank you for listening. And once again, I'd like to reiterate that I do struggle with words a few times, like that cigar where I couldn't just get that right. I said it like 10 times before I started the podcast this morning. and Sure enough, I think I just get too excited to read for you folks, which I really enjoy doing. So aside from that, try to be patient with all that with me. I'm doing the very best I can for you. And I hope you enjoy the readings. And chapter five is going to be next Sunday. And I'll give you the title just to give you a little bit of uh, anticipation. Chapter five is called, Our Advertisement Brings in the Visitor. So they must have sent an ad out in the paper. And we're going to fix them to find out what that ad is next week. Okay, everybody have a great week. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye for now.